This is the On The Touchline Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Broadwater. Welcome to the show. Well, guys, I can't thank you enough for listening to this podcast. And welcome to Season 3 of the show. It is a true honor to be the host and founder of this podcast. So thank you so much for supporting the show, sharing this show on social media, and being along for the journey. This has been an incredibly fun and interesting ride, and hard to believe that it's actually been a year that this podcast has been in existence. So if you're new here or you've listened to the podcast regularly, be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcasting platform. So we're available on all major podcasting platforms, places like Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, etc. And that way you never miss a new episode of the show. You can expect new episodes every Wednesday and probably most Saturdays, uh, depending on schedule and things going on. But want to get as many episodes of the show out here in season three as possible. So a lot has happened since we last spoke at the end of July and uh, spent the fall coaching a high school team, which you'll hear about in an upcoming episode, Uh, have also worked in the club game this past fall, and um, tried to gain more and more experience in the game that I absolutely love and if you're listening to the show that you probably love as well. So I can't wait to share those with you very, very soon. If you want to connect with me at any time, you can do that on social media, and you can find me active on Twitter and Instagram, at SoccerCoachJB is my handle. So one of the things that has crossed my mind repeatedly in working with the high school team uh, that I helped this past fall was a player pathway. How does a player go from being a youth player to continuing with their development to when they get to high school, when they're in the club game and they're doing a number of things, but where do they go from there? And I think for a young female athlete, there are probably more options, uh, or I should say there's probably a more clear-cut path of what a young lady or young woman should do when it comes to a player pathway, right? The college women's game is still very relevant in 2019 when it comes to developing young female players. However, it's a little bit different on the male side and a little more complicated when it comes to figuring out what exactly a young boy or a young male athlete should do when it comes to the game of soccer. Should they try and develop their talents here in the US? Should they go abroad? Should they try and latch on with an academy in Europe? A lot to think about. And the more and more that I thought about this, I actually began to kind of dig into this um, idea of a player pathway and what clubs locally here in Pittsburgh support such an idea. So something sort of fell in my lap in the midst of searching for this player pathway uh, fascination that I've developed. And the Pittsburgh Hotspurs a club here uh, in Pittsburgh is the only club locally that has both a male and female player pathway 
for players that start as youth or in their academy to go all the way to a first team. So earlier this summer, and I believe the announcement came in March of 2019, that the Pittsburgh Hotspurs would launch a NPSL team on the men's side. So they now have a first team in existence. They've completed their first season on the men's side. And my son has actually said to me on numerous times, uh, numerous occasions, Dad, it would be an honor to absolutely try and get to the first team to play for Hotspurs. So what about young female athletes? And what about young women? Where is their player pathway? So the Pittsburgh Hotspurs, again, are trailblazers when it comes to this idea here in Pittsburgh. And they've actually created uh, the first player pathway for female athletes. So they will launch in 2020 their first team in the WPSL. And so Steel City FC has merged or become a part of Pittsburgh Hotspurs. So I want to read um, a few quotes uh, about that experience and, and kind of what they have planned going forward. So this is from a recent announcement. So this is a great move for our team as it allows our organization to grow within an already established soccer community, said Stephanie Harrison, founder and president of Steel City FC. At Steel City FC, we have always been firm believers that sports have the power to unite, inspire, and empower women in a way little else does. We know the Pittsburgh Hotspurs believe the same and will continue on our mission to provide female athletes in the area the opportunity to experience the positive benefits of athletics in a competitive and professional environment. So I recently had the chance to sit down with two key members in this whole process. Uh, Jordan DeLuise, who is a coach for Pittsburgh Hotspurs, but also will serve as general manager for the women's side uh, of the first team. And Tom Ovienden, uh, Tomo. So Tom, or Tomo, I hope that, I hope I didn't butcher your last name too badly. He will serve uh, as first team coach for the women's side and he is also the director of Pittsburgh Hotspurs. So we recently sat down at Founders Field, uh, more or less the home base for Pittsburgh Hotspurs for a lot of their academy activities, and match play, and, and things of that nature. So as we kick off season three, episode one, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Tom Oviaden and Jordan DeLuise from Pittsburgh Hotspurs. <laughs> So uh, I know I'm going to mess up both of your last names, and I just call you Tom. Tom. Jordan <laughs> has a, an apostrophe between the D and the That's A. That's not true. I think we're using that written. It's not true. Jordan, yeah. I'm going to guess that that's very Italian. It is very Italian. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but go ahead. We'll start by having you guys in introduce yourselves and uh, tell the audience just a little bit about who you are, and um, you know, we'll go from there. Jordan, you first. Alrighty. Uh, it's actually pronounced Deloise, a um, couple silent vowels on the end, so my name is Jordan Deloise. has an O on the end now, so... <laughs> it has an I-O on Deal the end. with it. Till <laughs> day. I'm marrying someone named Johnson soon, so <laughs> it'll be really good. We'll just Looking call you JJ, right? Yeah, JJ. Um, anyways, you gonna double barrel that? 
<laughs> Dalloway's Johnson, <laughs> Johnson Dalloway. I'll never be able to think of Bobblefest again. Um, <laughs> Only Jake and Bryce. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm from Catanning, Pennsylvania. Um, I live in Pittsburgh now, and I've been coaching at Hotspurs since spring 2015, I think, 16, 2016. Oh my God, is it long? Mm -hmm. It's a couple years. Um, I'm the girls' youth development phase leader here, and prior to the first team announcement that we made last week, I was the general manager of Steel City FC. Tell, uh, before we introduce Tomo, um, tell folks a little bit about the announcement that was made last week and uh, kind of fill them in, um, you know, uh, about sort of the, maybe the origin story, um, you know, of what Steel City FC was, but how that transitioned to, uh, to Hotspurs. Uh, okay, so in um, 2014 was when Steel City FC first became like an idea. Um, it was started by Seth Harrison, who... Um, he's my really good friend, and uh, we played college soccer together, so we go w way back. Um, and we both were kind of frustrated that there wasn't uh, any outlets for women to be playing in Pittsburgh, because we both, um, you know, graduated from Clarion and were, you know, played soccer at a really high level our whole lives. And then all of a sudden, we were like 22 years old, and it was like I'm like about to be in the like peak physical condition of my life, and there's nowhere for me to play. Um, so I ended up leaving the country to find somewhere to play and Steph was a little bit smarter and decided to stay here and build a team to play on. Um, so she started the team. I helped her while I was going through grad school as much as I could, but um, she really did pretty much everything. Um, and then, um, yeah, we just started this team in the WPSL. Um, and, you know, the organization itself, Steel City FC, was a nonprofit organization. Um, so that we, w we wanted to also use the team to uh, serve as, you know, a way for young, young, younger players, especially younger female players, to you know come and have these role models and come and see really high-level women's soccer in their city. Um, that was really important to us, and just um, reaching out and connecting people through sport um, was really important to us. We, we wanted to have um, you know a big impact in the community as well. Um, so that was always the goal, and that was always the mission. Um, and then every, in 2017, um, like I said, I helped, you know, with the startup as much as I could and, you know, did whatever Steph needed me to do. And then in 2017, um, Steph, who was the, this whole time getting her, um, PhD in counseling psychology, like while starting this nonprofit, <laughs> um, but she had to move away, um, to Maine to finish up like the last part of her, um, doctoral program. Um, so I took over as the general manager that year, and then we've been, ever since then, we've been um, working together on, on pretty much everything and kind of splitting the work and, um, you know, trying to get as much done as we could. We have a lot of, we had so many ideas and uh, things that we wanted to implement. It, it was definitely difficult because it was just, we had a lot of volunteers helping us out. Obviously, so many people, you know, were so kind with their time and, and helpful, and Tom was awesome about helping us out and growing things. Um, but... To me, this past year, it became pretty apparent that um, we had almost reached our limit of what we, what it felt like we were going to be able to do, at least in the short term. I'm sure in the long term, we would have brought more people in and, you know, continued to grow, but just at a slower pace. But to me, this seemed like a really good opportunity um, to just grow quickly and have, like, so much more support and be able to roll out more of the ideas and make it a uh, more professional environment for the players and, you know, make it a better game day experience and um, still maintain that aspect of 
um, being able to be involved in the community and being able to give back. But I, I think it's going to be um, on, on a larger scale now, just having more people that, you know, are already bought into the brand. You know, we don't really need to do quite as much marketing for Hotspurs because there's so many people that already believe in what we're doing and already know about us. So um, it gives us like a little bit more um, of a big step forward there, I feel like. Um, and yeah, so then the big announcement. Um, now, that, we were going to get a first team anyways at Hot Spurs. That was, that was something I was going to be helping with anyways. And then just after the past season, um, there was just so much going on. And um, with Steel City that, you know, didn't see, it seemed like a no-brainer to at least have the conversation after the NPSL team, the men's side, started here to at least have the conversation about, hey, what if, you know, we kind of combined our resources here and formed something that I really believe is going to be incredible. So... Yeah. Um, just seemed like a no-brainer to at least talk about it. And then yeah. so we ran it by our board of directors, and it was a unanimous vote, and here we are. Yeah. Um, Tom, I'll bring you into this conversation. So you wear many hats here at Hotspurs, um, and you've obviously been a part of Steel City FC. Yeah. Uh, so um, introduce yourself to the audience and uh, a little bit of your origin story of how you came to be part of, um, you know, really a, a club here in the Pittsburgh area. Uh, I wrote this down, and it's on the website. Um, the Hotspurs website, but why, and I've told you this before, not only why I was drawn to the club as a coach, but also, you know, for my own son's development, that Hotspurs SC is the only soccer, or one of the only soccer programs in PA West that have a full development model in place. So I'll jump off there and have you introduce yourself and uh, tell everybody a little bit about who you are. Okay, so I got to America in 2007. I've been coming over to America from 2000 um, to like in intermittent summers. So I think I've done about four or five different summers working for major league soccer camps, mm -hmm. which actually began in Pittsburgh. Their first ever camp was in Pittsburgh in Upper St. Clair. Mm. Um, uh, Gary Russell, Dr. Gary Russell. And um, then they got the MLS affiliation as uh, when um, the, the World Cup was launched because the MLS had to be launched and then the, the camp thing. So I did that and that was great and that was a big part of, of that. But then I was trying to like, at that point, like still keep the playing dream alive. And um, so I got an opportunity to go and play uh, in Singapore and then I got a bad knee injury, and then that brought me over uh, to America because I phoned up Roy at MLS Camps and was like, oh, you know, any chance of a job? Uh, I think they had a job advertised, and they were like, yeah, we need someone in Pittsburgh. <laughs> so I came over and was in Pittsburgh, and that was, that was me selling camps for a while and then got to understand the soccer landscape and, you know, always had this, you know, could see certain things that were happening over here and the way sports is delivered and saw how great it, it can be, but then saw the negative things in terms of like how, how the progression of players is, and the pathway is so confusing and messed up. Um, so, you know, always had this underlying ambition to start a program and then, you know, got, got, that, got that started. And, um, and then, you know, before long, we're kind of, you know, at this, you know, at this point here now where we're sat with, an adult team, you know, on the women and and men's side, and um, you know, yeah, we've got a, got a strategy in place, and you know, to further with Jordan's point, you know, the reason I got into Steel City was because I wanted to continue my coaching. Like I wanted to keep coaching at the highest level, mm -hmm. and could see Steel City and what they were doing. And I was like, oh, I'd love to 
you know, have a have a uh, um, a go in that. And just with employing Jordan, I got to understand it from her perspective and her, you know, they and it didn't seem that they'd ever had really like uh, a coach. I'm, I don't know whether it was ever, but a real coach that was really engaged and totally into the program for a, for a couple of years. Uh, would you say that's accurate? Um, Betsy was pretty helpful in the, okay. in the beginning of getting it started. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, so I then was like, all right, I, yeah, I'd love to get involved and continue my, my coaching with that. And then, I, you know, I, I was very upfront and honest with Jordan, like the goal with Hotspurs was always to have an adult team on them at the, at the top of our tree. You know, I, 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 you know, my experiences in England and Europe and seeing the benefits that a promotion and relegation model has to the, the development of the sport. And, you know, I should say development of, of a sport that you want to play at the international level. That's probably pretty important because mm -hmm. most of the other sports in America, I'm not really sure who gives a crap about the Basketball World Cup, but uh, <laughs> I, I certainly don't. Um, you know, so if you want to, you know, if you want to be at the highest level of an international sport at the international level, you need um, a, a system, you know, like this, a team's, you know, a team sport. Anyway, you need you need something where it's a benefit for local clubs to grow their own talent. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's been a driving force behind everything I've, I've, I've done. And I don't want to go into a promotion relegation podcast. I'm sure we're going to have a 10 hour one about that <laughs> one day. But, um, you know, that, that's been the underlying ambition and passion. Like we want our kids to have something at the top of our pyramid to engage them and give them something to aim for. Mm -hmm. You know, regardless of your level, we, we want you to move up and, 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 and challenge yourself to constantly be better. So we've got to have a level at every level, you know, well, to do that. I think something that I'll come back to as a, as a coach and just as a parent here in the U.S., that um, we can only control what we can control, right? The Federation, the U.S. Federation is what it is. Um, you know, MLS is what it is. NWSL is what it is. We can only make our little piece of the world a little bit better, right? So to have a player pathway that if a, a young player comes in at a U6 level, you know, and I, I was telling Jordan this story before we started that, so we were here, um, so we're at Founders Field recording this podcast, and um, it was probably halfway through the fall season, and my son was using the restroom um, before a training session, and he said to me, he said, Dad, he goes, I want to play in the first team, and that, and that was... I mean, not only as a coach, you know, sort of a proud moment, but it was a proud dad moment because he understood the importance of there is a way I can get there. You know, hard work, determination, um, putting in extra hours, um, you know, loving a soccer ball, that sort of thing. But there's a destination, right? It isn't this, what you said, sort of this minefield of, well, I could go here, I could go there. Actually, you know what, if I'm a parent of a young kid, I would probably go to Europe and stay away from U.S. altogether. But that, that's just me. Um, you know, so talk a little bit about, for both of you, a player pathway. What does that actually mean? Because in my experience, most clubs say they have it, but in reality, when the rubber hits the road, most clubs actually don't do what they say they are supposed to be doing. So what does that actually mean? Well, I think just having those teams in place, like, shit, like, the fact that your son, which is your son's nine? He's nine, yeah. Nine, yeah, the fact that a nine-year-old can go and see the first team play wearing, like, the same jersey, you know, the same badge that they wear, or 
nowhere. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I just think for kids need to see it. You know, like that's kind of you know my thing with everything. Like you can say that you do this, you can say that you do that, but like show me. You know. Yeah. So I think that's the biggest thing is that kids can see it. Yeah. Yeah, and it and it it, it should mean more. Like I think that's been the like one of our my driving motivations. You know, like. Um, is that the badge you wear? It, it, a lot of the clubs in Pittsburgh—they're just a collection of teams that happen to wear the same colour uniform on a Saturday. Yes. And there's not really that that club, you know, that club feel. I think the club I was at before this, like they'd lost that that a little bit. They were there, they were getting to that point, but they'd lost that that kind of family uh, kind of feel and that club idea that um, once kind of existed there. But I think coming down to the player pathway, like it, the the pathway was so confused, it still is so confusing, mm-hmm. and we we we're just trying to do what we can to make that a little bit clearer. You know, understanding that there are different pathways, there are different ways that each player could end up going. There could be a genuine, you know, pro pathway. You know, which, like you said, is probably to go to go to Europe, you know, in, and get into a, an academy there. So it's forging relationships and, and, and things like that to, um, and making our program good enough where we can develop players of that level. Um, and it, but it's having a, um, having a path for each player as, as we go up is, 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 you know, is critical and, and trying to make that as clear as we can for those, those players along the way. And, and I, my hope is that, you know, loads of clubs do it you know I want you know, it seems like everyone in Pittsburgh wants this secret source that the other person hasn't got <laughs> and I'm actually the opposite I want everyone to be having a first team so that we can play you know eight games locally you know that are really good you know that are good games like, I think that that's you know 100% possible um well, yeah. so I'll jump in there. I mean, <clears throat> so obviously Pittsburgh isn't the size of London, but look at the number of clubs in London, right? They play each other in derbies all the time. I mean, sure. um, you know, you could potentially have something similar, uh, you know, here locally or regionally or, or whatever. Um, so something Jordan and I were talking about before we started. So the, the WPSL is the largest women's um, soccer league in the world. Most people probably don't know that. <laughs> and so that's not a, an, an indictment of, of the league or anything like that. Um, but what does it mean to play in the WSL? Who are you playing against? Um, you know, uh, what does that look like um, in terms of a, you know, a regional, a national you know, type of competition? Oh, we were in a new conference last year. Mm-hmm. The year before, we were on the Ohio Valley Conference, and we played um, teams in Cleveland, Detroit, um, Ann Arbor, but then this past year, um, just it depends on the number of teams kind of in the area and where everybody's at. They try and make make it so travel is pretty much as doable as possible for each conference. Um, so last year we were in the um, Keystone Conference and um, we played a lot of teams out in like the Philly area. Mm-hmm. Um, that was pretty much Eastern PA. The closest game was Hershey. Um, the closest away game was Hershey, so everybody else was pretty much. It was like Penn Fusion was out there. Um, everybody else was pretty much out towards like Lancaster, Philly type area. Mm-hmm. Um, so they weren't probably super happy to have one team in Pittsburgh, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because they were all within an hour, like the year before. Yeah. Um, but 
whatever. Yeah. It's what it is. <laughs> it is what it yeah. is. Yeah. But it would be awesome to have, you know, more teams in between here and there just, mm. you know, continuing to grow because there is a lot of good soccer in Pennsylvania. The, yeah. and the one thing that blew me away about the WPSL in my first year was like our conference then was stacked. I mean, yeah. like mm. the level, the level was incredible. Yeah, far, ex- far exceeded my expectations in terms of in terms of the level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was it was it's amazing, super good. Um, you know, so that that's kind of exciting, and it just seems to be there's so many like renegade leagues in America yes. that are you know. Why can't they just all be one, you know, then, and they, they work their level out, you know, like that, that, that would be, you know, that is the dream. And I firmly believe it will happen one day. I, I'm convinced of it. Um, you know, there's a part of me that thinks in a secret room somewhere that's already been (laughs) agreed on, but who knows we can, we can hope. I hope you're right. But the, the, yeah, but the, (laughs) but the WPSL is brilliant. I mean, it's really, it's a really good level. It's, it's purpose is to serve as a summer league for, for colleges primarily that's that's kind of like it was its foundation mm-hmm. but as more generations have gone on to play the game I think there are more people now that have a nine-to-five that want to play the game more mm-hmm. you know that want to continue it um, coming back to the pathway thing is something that I thought of and then blanked out once Jordan started talking <laughs> but um, you know one of the other fundamental reasons we're doing what we do is is that you can play in the Premier League at 16. You can play at the highest level in the world when you're 16. It happens all the time, mm-hmm. you know. And it's you know, there's even been kids that are 15. So it's not a sport where you have to be physically developed. You, you don't where you have to be, at, um, you know, an absolute monster. Like in basketball, if you're 10 foot, it helps because the goal is 10 foot. Um, you know, uh, and in American football, you have to be a physically developed monster to be able to play at the highest level of that game. Soccer is that outlier sport. You know, the get the goal is low and it is high. It's it's got different um, you know different outcomes required from it. So you know, there's no reason why I played with adults when I was 16. So why can't American 16 year olds play at adults when they're 16? So I think the league. Will, and it's already starting to generate more opportunities, things that I haven't even considered. You know, um, it gives us a potential route way for players, uh, for kids that aren't at, ready for college, mm. to delay going to college, go and work at Starbucks, go and work in a bar for a couple of years, see the real world, find out what they're truly about, play mm-hmm. football for us, chase that dream for two or three years. Sure. And there's lots of, you know, there's loads of time to go to college. You can, you know, I, I would, I you know, if I went to college now, I would have gone for something different than what I would have gone for 100%. when I was 18. You know, the um, all you can drink on a Wednesday was great for 10 pounds. <laughs> yeah, well, it was just like a yeah, masters. yeah, yeah, masters. We call it a masters. Um, but most people get better uh, at college the longer that they're there. I got worse. <laughs> yeah, uh, no joke. My senior year, uh, look, I'll show you the transcript. But look at the gamble. grades were awful. Like, look at look at the price it is. Yeah, like look at what you're actually doing. Like, there's this classic mentality or or s- structure in America where. You're not a good person if you don't go to college after high school. Go to school, go to high school, go to college, 
now go now you're a good person yeah well done yeah <laughs> you know it's well we the three of us came from a generation where that was very much a part of the dna right and that um my wife and i have the same exact conversation um you know at our house that i don't know i think i'm going to be a little more discerning as our kids get older in terms of helping offer guidance to them for me i mean my mom and dad said you're going to college not negotiable you know looking back on it i would have picked a different major may have picked a different school um you know i had a great experience but i had no clue what i was doing right no clue what i was doing i mean it's luckily that i'm still here actually <laughs> i think um so yeah i i think we rush i don't know maybe this touches on development a little bit but you know, development is truly this lifelong thing that I don't know any 18-year-old that has it all figured out. I've never met one, you know? Right. I mean, I just, I think that's impossible. And like you said, if they could play a little bit, uh, maybe they're ready for the college game, maybe they're not. Um, you know, who knows? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, um, something that, you know, I find really interesting. Um, so if you, depending on what club you watch, you know, internationally, that clubs are known for their style of play, right? And that they're good at, at attracting, um, you know, certain types of players that maybe fit that style, right? Or philosophy of, here's what we want to do as a club. And I see this at the foundation phase that I've been a part of, um, you know, here at Hotspurs, but also it goes up, you know, through the different uh, other phases that, that we have. What does that mean? Uh, and what does, you know, having a club philosophy or identity how does it go sort of bottom up versus maybe top down um, in terms of, or maybe it works both ways, um, you know, to, to feed that first team. We're developing players that look like, you know, X, Y, and Z when they get to the first team. I think since there are, like you mentioned, there's so many different ways to play, like having this phase model in place, I, like, again, goes back to, like, my point earlier about the kids are able to, you know, see, like, the, it's not like they go and play for, they go from the foundation phase and then go and play in the youth development phase, and it's a totally different style, and everything they learned at the foundation phase, they are no longer using. Um, I think it makes it so much easier to layer on, you know, new aspects of the game and new, you know, ideas. Uh, whenever like the the foundation and like you know what what we're trying to accomplish is staying the same the whole way throughout the club um, so uh, yeah I mean kids whenever the field's smaller and um, you know they're playing 9v9 they're you know playing out of the back and they're recognizing those uh, angles and those rotations and things like that I think that's you know so helpful then when they get when they do get on the big field and there's more players and um, you know they kind of already have an idea on how that should look um, and what their role is in relation to kind of where the ball is and things like that. I think that, like, just that's just seems like the most makes it makes the most sense for how you would want to learn anything, you know, mm -hmm. like learning like a music. It, it's easiest if you just, you know, are going in a sort of a linear, it's a linear learning process, I think, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, when you, you can pull back all the layers of, of football and it comes that you know at the end of the day it comes down to what you're trying to do and what are your principles and 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 what are you what you're trying to do as as a program literally in pittsburgh most clubs right now they're 
the, the strategy is how long can I keep this team with this coach for without the parents getting angry? I think that's most most clubs in the city right now is 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 that idea. If because if, if there's no, if everyone's happy, great. But for us, what we're trying to do is develop great kids, great people, and great players. You know, and and I don't want them to be mini Tomos as much as I don't want them to be mini Jordans. Mm -hmm. So um, we want them to develop with different characters along the way but then also make them move the game forward. I don't want um, a kid to play the, the way that, that I do, and people that know me will probably laugh. They'll be like, yeah, you definitely don't want to play the way Tom does. Um, but, um, you know, like, we want them to push the game forward, and only they can do that, because otherwise the game's not going to move forward, yeah? If they, if they, um, if they just play... A, if they just play the way that we want them to play, you know this, this structured way, they'll never move the move the game uh, the game forward. So that's why we put this development model in place, where the kids get passed through phases and they get you know different layers at you know as they go through um, the you know the right time. But then, like coming back to the way we play, like the 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 actual football piece of it. Um, you know, that's just an, an opinion. Like, that's our way of the game. It took me a long time to really unpack that and understand understand that because there's this idea that a possession, you know, um, a positional play model is the... You hear it all the time, don't you? Oh, they're playing the correct way, the, 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 best, the correct way. I'm like, oh, why is it correct? You know, that's just another way to play. It's, it's the way I, I, I lean towards, you know, that's... That's that's a, a, a structure in a game which I feel gives your players. Um, I feel it gives you the best chance of winning games. But then I also believe, as from an educational perspective, this possession positional kind of model creates more complete players because they're considering space and time and not just this idea of getting it as close to the goal as as quickly as possible, which is a perfectly okay strategy. You know, it is a perfectly okay strategy, but I like the outcomes of considering space and time and all of these questions that it kind of poses to the kids and how it makes them think more. And, you know, and, and then that goes along with, with life. If they approach soccer that way, and then they approach that in their life as well, like they, they're going to approach things more methodical, methodical and think more. I think they, we create better kids that way. I think we create better people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's better for our, um, you, you know, the, the economies that, that we're about to prepare them for. Um, it's better, it's, it's a better way to, to, to approach. Because, you know, any one of our players, if they go and play for a run-and-gun coach, they can pick that up pretty quick. Mm -hmm. But if they go and play for a, a coach, you know, down at um, Pitt right now, Jay Vidovich, the way that they're playing, mm -hmm. you know, I think our players have a better chance of, of, of carrying that out if we get that one or two players you know that can can play at that level you know I think we're, we're putting them in a better place to be able to perform that level way of playing but then also a run and gun style I think they'll they'll be able to do both of those so yeah. I feel we're just preparing them better for the for the future with the way that we're that we've decided to put up you know our version of the game I think I always come back to the word adaptability that um any player that I've ever had the ability or uh, you know privilege to train 
that I want them to have the adaptability to understand the situation, right? And so there are times being able to play a possession-based style very appropriate, right? Into, you know, sort of methodically wear a team down. But there are times, and you see this maybe, you know, with uh, with Ajax or Liverpool or you know some of the other pro, uh, big clubs that are out there that they understand situationally what to do and when to do it, and that's what makes them different, right? Barcelona, um, and for me that tells me that they are creating smart, you know, very smart footballers. I think we would all agree that that is what we ultimately want. Um, you know, because I don't think we want one-trick ponies, right? That just only can do a certain thing, you know, and can only, well, this is all we do, but maybe circumstances in a match have said, you know what, we, we have the inability to, to adapt to that. We don't know what to do in those situations. Um, and for me, that adaptability to understand what to do in the situation, when to do it, you know, I, I think it's probably undervalued. And it sounds like maybe that's something that, um, you know, that you're looking for, uh, you know, from players and as we develop them, you know, as mm. part of the club. Mm. So, sure. so uh, going slightly a, a different direction, um, I'm sure both of you spent uh, quite a bit of time watching the Women's World Cup this past summer. I know I did. Um, sort of, yeah, you know, awesome. lived and died with every, uh, every play and every touch. Um, talk a little bit about, you know, in a broad sense, what that means. And where I'm going with that is, you know, for me as a young footballer here in the U.S., there weren't many idols to look to, right? So if I'm looking to say, like, I want to be like, you know, insert name of famous, you know, footballer. I mean, Alexi Lawless? Yeah, okay, <laughs> you know, I'm not so sure. Uh, you know, Tony Mayola, because I was a goalkeeper? Yeah, maybe. Um, you know, and so you see these players back when I played that were sort of gritty and determined, punched above their weight class for sure, but eh, whatever, you know, they were okay. Um, you know, and didn't have a ton of exposure to the international game just because it wasn't shown a lot here, you know, in the States. And you really had to, to dig deep if you wanted to find it. So for a young lady to see people like Megan Rapino and to see, um, you know, Julie Ertz or, you know, Hope Solo when she played, or Mia Hamm, or things like that. What does that mean, in your opinion, um, you know, for young players, young females growing up, and young women, that as they become, to know that, you know, there, there could possibly be a destination, right, of getting into a first team somewhere. Um, what's, what would you say, you know, from your experiences? Well, I mean, there's just, like, a ton of research out there that just proves that, um, seeing, you know, for young girls to see women in, you know, leadership positions or to see them, you know, it, playing at really high levels or any, having any type of like that relatable role model is so beneficial for them in terms of their, you know, the development and their confidence um, and their self-motivation, their intrinsic motivation. Um, so I just think like the more we can let girls and boys, but mostly, you know, the younger girls, let them see women doing things like that and women being strong and women being tough and, you know, just getting rid of the notion that being good at sports um, and being like feminine or like a woman are different things because they mm -hmm. aren't. You don't have to be, you know, 
masculine to be strong. You know, if you want to wear makeup while you play, wear makeup while you play, who cares? Like, you know what I mean? So I think just like the more we can reinforce that, like being an athlete and being a woman aren't two totally separate things. I think that's awesome for just the kids, you know, to see. I mean, it's, I think it's just good for in terms of like the direction that you want the world to go, Mm -hmm. you know? My wife who knows nothing about football and she'll, she would admit this if she were here, um, (laughs) other than what she hears from me and and our son. uh, She loved when Marta from Brazil in the Women's World Cup came out, you know, flaming red lipstick, (laughs) right? And she was like, oh my God, she goes, I love that. And uh, I, I did too, you know, and Marta's obviously, um, you know, world-class and, and a lot of fun to watch anyway. So, um, but Tom, what does that mean for you um, in terms of having those role models? Because I'm sure, you know, growing up in a very football-rich country, um, you know, in England, obviously you could name, you know, probably 50 footballers that you wanted to be like, right? Yeah. And that could be the local town club, that could be teams in the Prem, that could be, you know, uh, championship level all the way i mean whatever you know there's so many layers to it obviously in england um but you know uh for for young women to have that i agree with with everything you said jordan that i mean incredibly you know um powerful i mean to see alex morgan and to see you know samantha kerr right um you know she had the courage of, of coming out you know during the uh the world cup and sort of just you know telling people like this is who i am right and like, none of this really matters in the whole scheme of things. Just be who you are, right? I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. Um, so. Well, yeah, I mean, like, I think it's explained if you look at the Westfield Community School, which was my community school growing up, and if you look at the, the girls' uh, soccer team or football team, didn't have one, you know? Right. Like, back then, we didn't have one. Recently, was it yesterday, maybe this weekend, 77,000 people yeah. went to watch a friendly against England against France, I think it was. Yeah. 77,000 yeah. people, which is just shows like the way the sport has, has, has developed and gone on. And so, like, I mean, the answer to your question is like, it's no different than my passion to start the, like, our adult teams. It's that we need a women's team and we need a men's team. It's just no ifs and buts about it, you know, like, like coming over here to America, like at, at the time that I did, you know, like women's soccer was nothing. Like women's football in England was 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 so was so small. You know, we'd every now and then we'd have like a girl that that played and was really good. Oh, this, you know, and it was just such a huge thing. And I'm like coming over here. There were loads of amazing footballers. I was like, women's football over here was was just incredible. You know, um, and. Europe catching up and you know yes. like you you know put it here on on recording like you know I'd be very interested to see how the next World Cup goes um it, will it be a crash back down to reality for America I don't know I'm leaning towards maybe it will I, I feel like the the other um leagues that are about to be launched if 77,000 people is uh, a sign of uh, you know, things to come in England, England, you know, just the English league, mm-hmm. then, you know, Liverpool ladies are going to be getting 20 or 30,000 probably. Yeah. You know, like some of the Premier League clubs that are now, you know, good women's teams are going to be, yeah. 
you know, it's only going to be a rising, uh, a rising thing. The, the, the difference in America, when I came over here, it was like the level of women's football, it was so amazing because it was a huge thing, like the, the, all the tournaments and, you know, you've got ECNL and all that that, that supports women's football um, was, was so more far advanced than anything in Europe. Um, and now, you know, Europe will, will put in place a promotion and relegation system at some point and we'll see the effects that that has, you know. Um, but, yeah, I, I guess coming back to you know, your original, it's, it's, it's the same. We want the girls in our club to have something to aspire to just like the boys, you know, just like the boys do. And I think that's, you know, really important. Cause I, and I've seen the, the, the impact it can have because the level that we can have um, with you know, the, the WPSL, with the regional leagues, is, is excellent. So yeah. getting kids exposed to that will be, will be excellent, will be a massive thing for their development. You know, 16, 17-year-old girls playing against adults you know, will be, you know, it won't be a team of those players, but mm-hmm. you know, there'll be um, players getting that experience. Which, which we hope will make our players more desirable to colleges and and and, and other opportunities that, that come up. Sure. So, how do you define success going forward? Um, I'm always interested when I ask, uh, you know, coaches or uh, you know, folks a part of a club or a team, how they define success. Good question. Um, I think, like for me, like for the club level, it would be you know bringing players up through all our phases, starting with the foundation phase, bringing players up through, you know, the whole way and, you know, having them be those younger kids that are 16, 17, 15, that are, you know, making the first team and training with the first team. Like, I think, like, having that proof that, like, hey, this is working, I think will just snowball for, you know, more players who see the more that, again, back to having good role models, the more that they see, the younger kids see that happening, the more of a reality it becomes for them. And, you know, I think they train harder on their own outside of practice and, you know, they learn discipline and they learn hard work and they learn, you know, all of the competitiveness. They learn all these things that are so important in soccer and in life. Um, And then, you know, I think from like a first team perspective, just really being competitive and winning championships someday. I think at the first team, it is about winning, it Mm -hmm. is about, you know, proving that you can put your city on the map and, you know, proving that Pittsburgh is, it has the potential to be like a soccer hotbed and, you know, hopefully have a pro team someday. someday. That'd be awesome, a women's pro team. Mm. Mm. That, for, to me, yeah. is for the first team is success. I, I think, great answer. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, you know, our mission is to make players like our WPSL and NPSL team to be made up of 50% or more of homegrown talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why we're, our hashtag is, is homegrown. But you will start seeing players that aren't homegrown in our team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had a hard time at the beginning um, coming to terms with that. Because I was like, well, if we're saying we're homegrown, why would we have players that are coming from England or somewhere else to make up the team? Well, my point is that we want that first team to be as good as possibly possible to give the kids going up into it a challenge. You're not just going to get in because you wear a Hotspur shirt. You, the best possible players will play 
in our first team. And that's what we, that's, that's, that's what for me will be the success of it is how many of our players that we've grown from the foundation phase will end up in the first team and, and play in the first team. I think, um, you know, Barcelona did it in uh, 2000 and, well, a Pep, a, a yeah, Pep era yeah. team. The whole team were academy graduates at, at you know, La Liga level, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, you know, that will be success for me is how many of these players can go out. We had, you know, um, a couple, you know, I had um, two or three or four players that played at some minutes at the NPSL level that had been with us since, you know, U10, mm-hmm. you know, which was great. Mm-hmm. So we've already started that, that happening. They can go to, you know, uh, college interviews and, and, and connect with college coaches saying, oh, I've played in the NPSL. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So that's what it's all about. For me, that will be the success um, for me. Um, really. um, so if, if someone listening to this would be interested in, you know, trying out for the team, learning more about the team, um, how could they do that? Where match is going to be played? Um, you know, uh, when does the season kick off? that sort of thing you can do it <laughs> okay um tryouts are on the hotspurs website um under the first team tab um is the location out yeah. yet in the time yeah okay 21st 22nd 21st yeah yep. yeah december 21st i believe and it's it's on the you can register on the website um and it'll just you know send you a link that so you can fill out and register there um We'll probably have multiple tryouts, but that'll be the first the first wave of yeah. them. Um, and then the season itself will be from mid May um, to mid July. Usually, like I think the third weekend of July is the um, the league finals, um, and that's just b- because um, it's you're not allowed to, the league's not allowed to be to play while um, players are still playing for their colleges. So usually on August first, a lot of um, college Division one college players leave for preseason, so um, we're not allowed to go into that into that time frame. Um, but yes, yeah, so that'll be the season, and um, games are going to be most likely here at Founders Field, yeah. which will be t- turf. Yeah. Is, sorry, can, I say, <laughs> can I say that? Yeah, sure. <laughs> which will be turf, which is going to be super awesome. Um, we've got like the clubhouse here and stuff like that, so it's going to be a uh, fun game day environment, mm. I think. Um, yeah. It's a I, good place to see a match, too. I mean, yeah, it's, I di- so. it's different than other local venues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. And I, the thing I'd like to, you know, just make sure, you know, people kind of understand, like, like I, would, I would probably say we're a little bit premature in terms of launching adult teams. In my head, it was probably going to happen in another three years' time when the facilities are up to scratch and, you know, we're, but opportunities presented them. Like Jordan, you know, from working, like coming back to one of the first things you asked us, you know, it just made a ton of sense what we're doing with, 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 um, with Steel City because we can just carry the torch on, you know, for them because we were going to be doing the same thing anyway. I was just saying, Jordan, if this makes sense to just at least get together and discuss it with the board. And, um, and, and it just, and it did, it resonated to everyone. And it's not like we, we certainly don't want to come across like we just bulldozed away and, and took over Steel City, but we just want to carry on the good work that Steph already began because uh, she's such a good person and the motivation and like the mergers and things happen when 
good people come together and we're good people I think and they're good people <laughs> and it kind of like it kind of um, you know works so but to get this you know it's 60 grand it's about 30 grand a team to get this up and running uh, and, and get this going and um, you know so it's, it's important to, to me that you know, if you're a player that's looking to come in you know like there's, if you can't make this try out like, find a way to get up in front of us or find a way to right. connect with us um, you know like we, we we think outside of the box you know we're trying you know like ideally I'd love to have just sat back and just coached forever but you know I felt like a, a big part of my role over the next 10 or 20 years is going to be moving football forward in Pittsburgh you know doing it differently and constantly trying to make us um, better and improve, improving us and that's kind of our or the way we do things. So if you're a player sat there and you can't come on the 21st, find a way to get in front of us and find a way to connect with us because there's there's loads of ways that, that we can we can make it work. Yeah, are they, I mean, you can, my email, you can email me, my email is on the Hotspur's website, mm. Thomas' email is on the Hotspur's website, mm. send in film, mm. something like yeah, that. Yeah, like you anything like that. Just, yeah. The, 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 the tryouts will be a huge part of it, obviously, like, it, it's kind of funny that whole tryout thing in America. It's yeah. a huge deal. I just think it's hilarious because, like, <laughs> making these opinions on players of, of an hour and a half. But right. you know, like, if you can create your best case why you're good and show us, you know, like that that helps. You know, that that certainly helps. And um, with it. But even on top of being a good player as well, like it's important. Like this is like something you know we'll be carrying on from Steel City. Like it's important that you're invested in the club itself and invested in the team itself and you know that is like being present in the community and that is um you know like being someone who other people would want their kids looking up to and you know what i mean just in terms of like being the total player total person that we would want to be in our club as well yeah yeah, definitely. Yeah. It all ties together. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, you know, the, the product on the pitch, but it's also what are they like as people, like you said, when they're in the community and, um, you know, the, the likelihood of a, a young woman or, or man, you know, meeting some of their heroes someday, you know, it might be a stretch, but they could meet somebody that plays mm -hmm. locally, right? And look up to them and go, God, like, so-and-so is a fantastic goalkeeper. They're a, you know, unbelievable defender um, you know, my son likes scoring goals, so he always pays, <laughs> pays attention to the strikers that, um, you know, man, they, you know, just got this crazy ability to, to put it in the back of the net or something like that. So, but again, it's letting people know that's happening on the local level, right? They don't, they can look nationally, they can look globally, but sometimes it's in their backyard. You guys have probably heard me talk before about one of my favorite products in the footballing world. It's called Duke Tig Brand, D-U-K-T-I-G Brand. And if you're looking for a place to organize your thoughts, prepare for match day or training sessions, Duke Tig Brand has got you covered. Anything from apparel to notebooks to anything you need really to be a better coach and to reflect on Training sessions, matches, things that have gone well, things you can improve on, Duke Tick Brand has got you covered. I can also save you 10%. So as we get ready for the holidays, 
who doesn't want to save a little bit of money? Use the promo code BROADWATER19, B-R-O-A-D-W-A-T-E-R-1-9 at checkout. DukeTigBrand.com. Plan to be great. All right, guys, my thanks to Jordan and Tomo from Pittsburgh Hotspurs for coming on episode one of season three of the On the Touchline podcast. And guys, I can't wait to follow along with the WPSL journey as you get up and running and uh, watching both your men's team in the NPSL and the women's first team in the WPSL compete. So all the best to both of you uh, going forward. This podcast is available on all major podcasting platforms. So my challenge to you, tell a friend, whether it be through social media, word of mouth, or someone that you happen to interact with in the footballing world. And if you listen to the show on Apple Podcast, I need you to go there right now, leave a five-star rating and a review about the show. That helps more and more people when they search football or soccer podcast that the On the Touchline podcast comes up in their search. So that would mean the world if you could go there now and do that as we close up shop. You can expect new episodes of the show uh, Wednesdays and most Saturdays throughout season three. All right, guys, I will catch you real soon and reach out on social media at SoccerCoachJB on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, this has been the On the Touchline podcast, and I'm your host, Jason Broadwater.